It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for chumba casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As if this needed to be said, we recorded this podcast before the Noah Syndergaard news broke. So, sorry about that. Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. Chris, we debated recording this show yesterday, and we thought, no, we want to get another game in before we talk about the Mets, and then the Mets were rained out, and so here we are on Thursday morning, ahead of a doubleheader, um, and it seems like every week we record, and the song remains the same, more Mets are injured, more Mets are freakishly injured. And um, the Mets are still in first place. The Mets are still doing baseball things that surprise me. Tomas Nito is is the most valuable Met of the first half so far. Kind of, sort of, maybe. Yeah. Oh, certainly on the position player side. Yeah. What like what do we make of this team right now? How do we? Okay. Let me let me rephrase that. How long do you realistically think the Mets can ride out this streak of injuries without totally imploding? I I don't know. I mean, so I I'm definitely of the mind of being an optimist when when your team is in first place. Um the the Phillies have had their injury issues, the Braves just had, you know, Marcelo Zuna go on the injured list and expect a lengthy absence for him. Uh, you know, injuries are way up throughout the game and I don't think any team has quite as many players on the injured list as the Mets do. Um, but you know, no, nobody's, nobody's even close to perfect or firing on all cylinders or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I, you know, to be realistic, you'd say I can't see them holding on to first place continuously if this roster stays the way it is for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, you know, some something like that. But um, stranger things have happened. I, I think if the Mets can capitalize on, on, you know, facing the Rockies twice today and hopefully it helps them a little bit that Marcus Stroman can maybe give them an, an entire game. Or right. very close to it. Well, an entire seven inning game, right? Yes, because of the because of the rules. So it makes it a little bit easier to 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 let one player take take the first game if possible. 
Yeah. So yeah, that if they can beat the Rockies a couple times this afternoon, uh, that certainly helps going into a series with with Atlanta at home. Uh, and I think that'll that's really the first test of okay, how long can they stay in first place? Because the, the Braves are the team that's right behind them. Um, they, they aren't nearly as banged up. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we can we can see how that goes, but. I do think unless these injury timelines all get drawn way, way, way out, which is a possibility. Uh, you know, we know J.D. Davis went back to New York City to get evaluated or treated or both. Um, Depending you know, how you how you interpret that very vague statement the Mets released about it. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like a contradictory one of like, oh, this was planned all along. That didn't seem believable at all. Right. Um, you know, we, we were he, he was playing first base. In Syracuse, but he, he had a, I think he played two rehab games, had a night off, uh, then played two or three games and then didn't play and was back in New York City for medical reasons. You know, what, whatever you want to say it was officially. Um, so we, we know there can be setbacks. We know Carlos Carrasco is not close and, you know, sounded like he was going to be close and, uh, you know, that that was two or three weeks ago. And we know that Syndergaard was pulled from his most recent start with elbow soreness. Right. Uh, supposedly for precautionary reasons, you know, not nothing to be super worried about. But still, that's not great to see. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you add it all up. As we speak, they're a game and a half ahead of Atlanta. Uh, the Mets are still the only team in the National League East <clears throat> with a winning record. And... Yeah, you know the the rain out last night almost felt like, hey, <laughs> why why haven't there been more of those? Not because they're <laughs> enjoyable, but but the you know the early stretch the Mets had so many postponed games. Um, you know they've still played uh, seven fewer games than the Braves have played. Yeah, which which is crazy. Like in late May that. That much of a difference is a is a huge difference, um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll make a not so bold prediction. I think the Mets will still be in first place on Monday morning. I <laughs> I hope I'm right. Uh, I hope you're right too. Uh, I, I'm going to say they're tied for first place on Monday morning. If, I don't even know if that's mathematically possible with the <laughs> amount of games and all that, but <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to slightly hedge the bet that you made. There you um, go. I mean, yeah, I think the winning, it'll be like the virtual tie, you know, because. Right, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but so it, it's, I, I do want to note a couple of just odd roster things that have happened. So because the Mets would not DFA a player, let's call him uh, Stephen Tarpley, perhaps, the Mets <laughs> lost Josh Hager uh, via a waiver claim this week. And not that I think that, it is Jake Hager, Josh Hager. What's his name? Jake. 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 Yeah. Okay. So I, I, as soon as I said it, it sounded wrong. Um, but you know, Jake Hager. It, it, I don't think he's going to be the second coming of David Wright or anything like that. But he seems like a, a relatively useful player, and it's a bummer that the Mets lost him. Um, and that has been sort of indicative of the weird roster machinations that have happened over the last few weeks. Like for instance, Jordan Yamamoto was pulled out of the game that he started. Was that Sunday? Uh, yeah. And if you listen to Luis Rojas, he was pulled out because he was ineffective. Yamamoto said his shoulder was also sore. He went from the 10-day IL to the 60-day IL to allow newest Met Billy McKinney to join the team. Um, That seems like just straight-up roster manipulation, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah. And uh, look, Major League Baseball, I, I think, is okay with it. Um, you know, they My, don't seem to be yeah. interested in cracking down on things, uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, my question is very simple. Do the Mets dislike Yamamoto that much that they are cool with writing him off for two full months when they have no starting pitching? It just seems very strange to me. I know Yamamoto was not very good in his couple of appearances with the Mets, but he's a guy that I think deserves another look, probably. And as of right now, his other look won't come till the end of July. Right. That just seems like a very strange roster move to me. Does, does that seem as strange to you? Uh, 
A little bit. I, you know, I will say, I, yeah, you want to have those depth options available. And I think everybody was right to, I don't know, be, be encouraged, excited by the depth that they had built, um, you know, for the starting rotation. But combined, Lucchese and Yamamoto have, have not exactly been uh, the most fun pitchers to watch just because they've struggled. Yeah, I know Lucchese through four scoreless innings in his most recent start. Um, you know, that taking him out at that point was something I did not have an issue with because I feel like you, you got out while you were ahead. I know a lot of people were very passionately uh, thinking the other way when it happened. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a side note. Yamamoto, it is, it's a little weird like he can start pitching in Syracuse again much sooner than two months from now, but obviously he he can't pitch any innings for the Mets until that that you know right clock runs out. So yeah, I I don't know. I, it, it's it's a weird thing. I feel like it, if they play well, it'll be a forgotten thing. But if he's looking sharp in Syracuse. And uh, and they literally can't bring him back. <laughs> that will kind of suck. Yeah, um, I mean, it, just realistically, right? Degrom is back now. It looks like Walker should be back pretty soon. We don't have a, a full timetable on that, but it seems like it should be pretty soon. If Syndergaard is really delayed because of this elbow soreness, and Carrasco's nowhere near ready to go, the Mets may need to trade for a starting pitcher. Now, I think that there are many starting pitchers who might potentially be available for trade who are better than Jordan Yamamoto, but it just, to me, makes very, very little sense to... When, you, when you're already down three starting pitchers and your third most reliable starter right now in David Peterson, has he gotten out of the fifth inning in the last three or four starts? I don't think he has. You know, he has not looked very good. So I just don't under... It just seems very foolish to me to to limit your depth no matter how maybe not exciting that depth is because I still think that for all that Yamamoto and Lucchese have not been they've probably been better than the guys the Mets would have called up in their place last season yeah yeah Peterson did have uh, the the start where he went into the eighth inning that that was fairly oh, recent yes. but the yes, start that before that was an inning and two-thirds right um <laughs> And, you know, so it's, it was one and two thirds, seven and a third, four and two thirds, and then six, which if it could just be five every time he's out at least, and then sometimes six and maybe occasionally seven, that would be a big improvement. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I mean that the spot they're in now is kind of uh, today being shortened games helps them out a lot, not just because Stroman is, is starting one of them, but because you can do a, you know, a, a bullpen game of uh, an opener, Sean Reed Foley, maybe, maybe Gazelman, you know, the, you've got a bunch of guys who can give you one to two innings. Right. And you only need to get seven. Um, so, we, yeah. We should mention, you wrote a great piece this week about Sean Reed Foley and Reed Foley was a guy that I had shouted out on last week's podcast as worthy of getting a start um, in the you know in this time, and I feel like if we're looking at the Mets, you know, we're looking at the team. There are a lot of weird heroes this year. Like we mentioned, Tomas Nito before being you know the best offensive player on the Mets in the first half thus far. Um, I think Sean Reed Foley, his name is going to be up there in the way I think you evoked this to me. Uh, the the Darren Oliver of the 2021 team, just the guy yes. who comes in and you know manages to keep the games you know close for a couple of innings. And aside from that one terrible appearance he made in um, Tampa, Reed Foley's been just about perfect out of the bullpen. Just he's not walking anybody. He's limiting his hard contact. He's getting a couple more strikeouts than he was getting in the past. It just seems to me like he is really putting together this great season. And while I'm not saying bring him to the starting rotation because I think that he is where he should be right now, it's really it, it's really amazing that this guy has been 
as good as he's been. You just wrote about him, so go off for a second. Tell us why you think uh, Reed Foley is is looking so good in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it it, kind of just boils down to he's throwing strikes, and and it's working. Um, You know, you look at it, he's not throwing harder. He didn't really change up too much uh, of what he's doing. He is is throwing his change up a little bit more, um, but not like he drastically went from a guy who had, you know, three pitches and then and flipped them on their head and you know or anything like that there's no new pitch um but you look back at what he did before he was traded to the Mets with with uh Toronto and it was like just a whole lot of walks and he it, it's just strange to look back and see that because <laughs> we've watched him and he's walked uh, one guy in 11 and two-thirds innings now right. so that that that's just such a reversal and I don't know. It's early. It's not long enough to say, okay, yeah, that that is definitely who the, he is for the long term. But to like that kind of a thing is is one of the things I think you can latch onto in the early going. Um, you know, maybe the walk problem comes back, but it's not there. So I I, I kind of want to just buy in and say, hey. He, he seems to have figured that part of his game out. And apparently when that part's figured out, he's, he's just this awesome pitcher and, and, a, and a good weapon. And uh, yeah, Darren Oliver for, I, I, I assume everybody who listens is old enough to remember the 2006 Mets, I hope. I, I think you're wrong about that, <laughs> but I like to hope that as well. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, for those who, who maybe aren't or, or just need a, a refresher, uh, Darren Oliver was very useful as a guy who who could come in, like you said, pretty much any situation. We don't want this game to get out of hand, and we need somebody to pitch a couple innings before we figure out, you know, who who's going to have the lead late in the game. Um, that kind of usage is, is very nice, and you know, I feel like it was R- Ramiro Mendoza was that guy for the Yankees. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, that role has been around for a while. And I feel like it sort of predated the idea of, of a relief ace, that kind of a thing. Um, but it's really not that different now to look at Reed Foley if, if he stays this good. Or even Seth Lugo, you know, where it might be the sixth and seventh innings that, that you lean on him for those, you know, multiple inning outings. But, you know, that kind of a thing... Uh, it's not brand new. Um, and I don't know. It's just, it's a fun way of using pitchers. You know, I also think back to the recent conversation we had with Ted Berg where, you know, he was saying how much he'd love to experiment and, and throw out all notions of what baseball pitching roles are and just get as much as you can out of your best pitchers all the time. Um, you know, this isn't that, but the Mets have been more experimental, and <clears throat> I think it's been out of necessity. You know, I don't know if they if if the primary starting five were in place, I don't think we would have seen an opener yet. Right. But they're not. They're very much not. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, they even the even the top six, seven, eight starters uh, that you, you get down to Yamamoto at that point of the depth chart, and you know, here here we are with him on the injured list. So. Yeah, I I suspect it's been five days. It is. It's not a division game, so maybe they don't use Reed Foley today, um, just because they, you know, they want to hold on to him for one of the nine inning games against the Braves, assuming there's no rainouts, you know, at any point this weekend. Right. Um. But it has been a few days, you know, since he pitched, and if they needed to have somebody pitch you know half or almost half of the second game today we, we could see him and if not i suspect we will see him uh sometime in the next day or two so lucchese is listed as the starter for the second game today and i would imagine that like you said this game is not as important in standings wise so I, I can't believe we're already talking about that but here we are uh it's, it's almost memorial day i've been saying this whole time 
Memorial Day, I start to get worried if certain things aren't <laughs> back in place. So next week, folks, get ready for Panic City, Brian. Um, but no, you know, I, I could see this game being maybe like a Lucchese Gazelman game. And we should give some props to Robert Gazelman, who had a, cu- a lost couple of seasons there, but is looking pretty good this year. I've been impressed with him. Whenever I, I so just to sort of give people the picture of my Mets fandom. Many nights at about 8 o'clock, I go into dad mode for about a half hour before I come back down to the game. And so that tends to be with this current Mets team when a starting pitcher gets pulled after three or four innings. And so I'll come back into a game, and my like visceral reaction, I'll say, oh, God, Gazelman's pitching. And then I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. He, he, he struck out the side or whatever it is. Like He's been way better than I think we expected him to be this season. He's been a really valuable member of the bullpen. And that just goes to show you that this bullpen has been excellent. If if Gazelman is looking good, then everyone's looking good, essentially, because I think the Mets were pretty much at the end of their rope with Gazelman. I know he's out of op- I think he's out of options. Maybe he has one option left. But I feel like he was in no preseason discussion about um you know, who was going to be the important pieces of the bullpen. Gazelman was considered like the last man out of the bullpen, just by everybody, myself included. And here we are, and he's looking pretty good. I mean, he, I don't want him necessarily as the first guy we go to all the time, but I think he's been he's been pretty impressive. And when you add Lugo back into that mix, hopefully in the next week or so, and, you know, I mean, I don't know when Tommy Hunter's coming back, if we ever see him in the Major League squad again. I don't know if we ever see Dylan Batances as a Met ever again. Uh, what other bullpen arms have gone down that I'm forgetting? Um, let's see. There's there's so there's, many names. There are so many names, I know. Guzelman <laughs> um, actually does have a couple options remaining, though. Really? I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, at the end of spring training, that, that really, the, the collective reaction was like, what? Him? Like, Why? Um, you know, so Tomas Nito and Robert Gazelman, uh, just disregard everything I said about them all winter. <laughs> yes, the same. <laughs> and hey, you know, uh, even if they, even if things turn a little bit south for either one of them, what they've done so far has been significant, especially Absolutely. as, you know, James McCann has been playing first base. <laughs> um, who had that, by the way? Who, who predicted that move? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of funny that he's been hitting ball a little bit better um, recently. You, you know, he's not he's not exactly on fire or anything yet. But um, anyway, back back to the the relief core. I think it's just the three that you mentioned um, out of the 17, 17 players on the injured list right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. It, it's interesting with Gazelman. I, I don't think differences in defense and and defensive positioning which you know it's even coming up on the broadcasts that it's continuous uh, not continuously it's it's just consistently been working uh every once in a while a ball beats the shift and that stands out the most and and keith groans about the shift then (laughs) right right but overall um actually wayne on the radio broadcast this year has has brought it up you know i think the most um but i think it's come up on on the tv broadcast as well the numbers are are bearing out a significant improvement in positioning and also i think a combination of injuries and a healthy guy like francisco lindor um make a difference so for a guy like gazelman who isn't a strikeout machine that can that can be a huge swing you know even as a reliever who's thrown a couple innings at a time sometimes you give up a run you know in one inning or even two innings or or say you give up two or three runs you know you have one bad outing it can take you a month for your era to really recover right um which is sort of deceptive because it doesn't mean you've been a bad pitcher for that whole month, but you know, that, that damage can be hard to undo. So I, I do want to just take a minute to, to appreciate the, the combination of all of that. And I, I think Lindor has done a, a really good job of being sharp in the field, despite his, you know, very, very long slump at the plate. Um, 
and uh, you know just the number of double plays um and he makes it look easy and uh, you know i'm I think one of the things I'm most excited about in terms of seeing a game at City Field in person at some point this year <clears throat> is the same thing that that I felt with Carlos Beltran when he was, you know, in his t- late 20s and you know one of the best players in baseball. Um, just getting up in the upper deck and watching that guy make it look easy because uh, I don't think Lindor has made a, you know like a dozen plays that are going to be on highlight reels forever uh, to start his Mets career. But sometimes when you're, when you're that on point with things, your plays don't even look like highlights. Right. Um, And yeah, so I do appreciate that. Um, I I, I will say I'm like 5% worried about his bat at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As you know, I was refusing to be worried at all. Now I'm like a little, a little, a little something there, but I, I do think his defense, his leadership, and then the Mets' approach to playing defense has uh, has definitely helped. So that's where I go with Gazelman. Not to take any credit away from him, but but it, it's more just oh hey, he's he and the other pitchers are getting support that they always kind of deserved. Right, uh, right. Even when the Mets had poorer defenders they weren't as aggressive about trying to to put them in better positions uh and i think that probably stems from a wilpon ownership that just did not believe uh that being contemporary with baseball was worth their money well i mean to me this team is like it's funny because in the off season Cohen went out and made some sexy moves. You know, they he traded for Lindor and Carrasco. You know, it just seemed like he was ready to make a splash. The things that have won Mets games this year are the least sexy things in the universe. It's defensive positioning and depth, right? But that's right. But it shows you how important all these pieces are. And if the Mets as an organization weren't committed to having a deep well of players for when injuries or ineffectiveness happen, and if they're not willing to invest in basic analytics, then how can you expect them to be a perennial winner? This just shows you that even when things don't go right, if your team is structured in a way that makes sense, you can you can at least be competitive. You know, if the Mets don't make the playoffs this season, I think that there's going to be a thousand reasons uh, as to why you can point to all the injuries, you can point to the herky jerky start of the season where they should have come out, you know, guns a blazing and weren't. You can point to any number of of things that went wrong for the Mets. But if they do make the playoffs, I hope that people are pointing to the fact that, like, you know, without Sean Reed Foley, Tomas Nito, Robert Gazelman, and Jonathan VR, the Mets would not be in first place right now. And those four players, in a lot of ways, contributed as much as Lindor has, as Alonso has, as Dom Smith has. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how the rest of the season shakes out and to see if there are like is there going to be 
a defining moment when this team feels like, okay, now we know they're for real? Or is it going to be just the whole season of this, just them grinding it out? And uh, I hope that we have that moment. I, You know, when the Mets traded for Cespedes in 2015, when they – did they sweep the Nationals? I think they swept the Nationals that series, right? Not just take two of three. You know the series I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a sweep. Yeah. Definitely. At, at, that, <laughs> at that moment – I remember planting my flag and being like, fuck, yeah. These these Mets are going not just to the playoffs. They're going to dominate. I felt so confident in that moment. And I hope this team gets us to a moment like that, but I don't know if it ever will, just based on the roster and all the injuries. Yeah. I. It's the biggest if. And I feel like we say it all the time, and, and at least this year we have a bunch of uh, company around the sport. Uh, from other fan bases, you know, if they're healthy, uh, could totally see July, August, September feeling like late 2015 or, or late 2019. Obviously, they, you know, they came up short in 2019, but man, a couple of those games uh, around that time, uh, you know, early, early, really all of August, I think it was that it was just they, they were on that tear. Um, I think that is possible, and it's just been this weird mix of the offense not producing at all in the first month, the disjointed schedule, a slew of injuries. You, you know, it's just hard to feel like who who the Mets are. Um, we know all the things they're all individually capable of, but there hasn't been a, a game yet where it's just like the four best hitters in the lineup you know, had multiple extra base hits, just something simple like that. Uh, you know, that, that kind of thing hasn't happened yet, but I think at some point it will, I, I, you know, it's, it's possible that it won't, but I think at some point we will get to, uh, you know, the opposing pitcher is afraid of Pete Alonso, uh, afraid of having to, you know, get through in a bat against Nimmo, uh, Lindor heats up. It just, that kind of a thing you, you, on paper and that never means anything, but on paper, if enough of those guys can get back into the lineup, this was supposed to be based on track records, a, a team that was very hard to pitch against. And, you know, we've seen, even with the injuries, it's a team that is pitching very well itself. So yes. I don't know. I, it feels like that is so far in some hypothetical future. But I do think we'll get to a point where at least six out of the eight position players in the lineup are guys who uh, you thought would be there on opening day and are hitting well enough that, you know, that they make some noise and, and uh, maybe get to do some damage in the division, uh, which you know, which so far they have done, despite all of this. Right. We should talk for at least a minute about new Met Billy McKinney. Uh, he came over from the Brewers for minor league pitcher Pedro Quintana, who was not necessarily a super high-ranking Mets prospect. He was an undrafted free agent the Mets signed. So McKinney is – you had written a piece earlier this week about the um, – just the some some targets the Mets might go after for some help, and McKinney was not on that list, partly because he hasn't had a great uh, he hasn't had a great uh, year so far this year, nor has he had a great career so far. He's had a couple of flashes of of above average production, but he has an eighty six w uh, one weighted runs created plus for his career, a sixty six wrc plus for this season. He's a corner outfielder. I'm not too excited about this move, but right now the Mets just need bodies. I mean, they literally didn't have a position player on the 40-man roster to call up when Fargus went down. Yeah. That, that's not a joke. They didn't have one. No, I know. I you know. know. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. And one thought on that, too. The the <clears throat> I wonder, um, you know, in this environment of a lot of these guys getting shots to – you know, get playing time and prove themselves. Obviously, Kevin Pillar had no control over a ball, fastball hitting him directly in the face. Um, 
but you look at Almora, you look at Fargus, and you know these are guys who are trying to prove that they that they belong. Just because the Mets put Almora on the opening day roster didn't necessarily mean they were going to keep him on the the roster. You know he right. could have wound up back in Syracuse uh, or in Syracuse for the first time. And you know a guy like Fargus, a guy like him, going all out and then uh, suffering an injury as a result. Um, I think <clears throat> that somewhere in their mind, it, it you know feeling like they had to do everything they could to get to stay could contribute to those kinds of injuries, which, you know, there have been a, the Mets have had every, every one of of the variety of ways a guy could get hurt. They have not had somebody do something off the field like Jerry Blevins did though, when he, when he slipped and rebroke his arm. Right. Or no one punched a dugout wall or anything of the sort. So yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's had a, 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 you know, uh, I think my favorite sports injury was the I think it was Dustin Penner in hockey throughout his back while eating pancakes. <laughs> yes. uh, but anyway, I, I, I've gone on another tangent here. Uh, <laughs> McKinney, um, you know, he's he's hit three home runs this year. He hit 12 home runs in 2019. Um you know, there's a little bit of pop in that bat. His his isolated slugging this year is 152, which, you know, isn't a ton of power. But uh, I'm just looking to see where that would rank on the Mets, uh, especially among healthy players. So Tomas Nito and Pat, Patrick Muzica are uh, <laughs> ahead of him. Um, but it oh puts him kind of front, like right in the middle of the pack. And of the currently healthy guys, it makes him um, – you know, if it were to stay the same, one of the bigger power threats. So I don't know. I, if you're going to be a below league average hitter, you know, if I had to pick the below league average hitter, I'd rather take a guy who hits 207 but might actually hit a few home runs while doing that uh, than a guy who hits maybe 250, 260, but it's all singles and, and he's still that overall below average hitter because especially because right now our team is full of a bunch of those guys right yeah Yeah. if khalil lee makes contact maybe it'll go out but he's not making contact you know uh cameron maben if he makes contact it's going to be a single probably Um, yeah yeah and it sucks because you know you want to root for these guys but um a 66 wrc plus is a pretty big upgrade on a negative 44 or negative 53 (laughs) Um, and I think, I think while they are getting pitching the way that they are, it is just important that they, that they get an upgrade into the lineup. Um, and, you know, writing about sort of exploring some of the other teams, I, I, I didn't catch Milwaukee cause I don't know, they just weren't quite as bad as the, the teams that have, you know, even worse situations and worse records. Um, there are a couple other guys out there. You know, the Tigers, Robbie Grossman, uh, signed a, a very cheap two-year deal with them. So I don't know that they're necessarily going to give him away, but, you know, that is a team that is not in contention mode. Um, and, you know, Grossman is sort of uh, a much more ideal version, I think, of the you know of what McKinney is, a guy who primarily has played the corners, but in his case, he has a long track record of being a, a you know, solid hitter, an above league average hitter by a, a pretty comfortable margin. Um, so whether it's him, I didn't realize at the time of writing that Estrubal Cabrera was also on the injured list, uh, but he, he's been hitting very well, uh, you know, to start the year. So if, if he were to come back, uh, you know, come back to Queens and, and be over his own, injury um he could be fun to bring back and there's a bunch I mean, of other guys out has, there that he just has bench mob written all over him doesn't he oh yeah yeah and he he's done it before and you know there was that the when he what he signed with washington and was like oh the mess didn't even want me you know that kind of stuff i feel like you can be gotten over in two seconds when you're told like okay you've been traded here or uh you know it, it Obviously, there's no free agency during the season, but if if Estrubal Cabrera were to be in a spot that he could uh, 
you know, choose his next team. If the Mets came up with the most money, I think he wouldn't be insulted uh, anymore about, you know, the fact that they didn't want him back in 2017 or whatever it was. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, the Mets had McKinney uh, slated <laughs> to hit in the cleanup spot last night. I assume the lineup will be the same, uh, assuming both teams will stick with Stroman and Marquez as the pitchers for the first game. And uh, I would think that they they both probably want a chance at, at winning both games. So they'll probably stick with, you know, the la- last night's starters in the first game today. Um, I guess the only thing that might switch that up is if Dom Smith is feeling better. Right. Because Dom banged up his knee. And uh, <laughs> because, of course, we need another injured player. So Dom Smith yeah, banged did, up his did, knee. Did we see how? I don't know. I I watched that game. I didn't see him bang his knee against anything, to my knowledge. But yeah. maybe I don't know. Hmm. It's just insane. This whole yeah. team is insane. Um, <laughs> I think next week maybe we should take a look at the timetables for the returning players because we we can't do it in the ten minutes we have left in this episode. But just sort of look at and sort of maybe prioritize. Some targets, not I'm not saying even particular people, but just say like, all right, the Mets need to go get a center fielder, or the Mets need to get a, a starting pitcher. Just kind of look at the, uh, look at the, you know, the, the team as a whole and see what the most glaring needs are going to be for the next month or so. Um, yeah, because for now, look, they're still in first break, first place, as you said before we started the show. You know, embrace first place. Let's let's have fun with this. If this is a team that stays in first place and gets to the playoffs this year. We're going to be, there are so many trivia questions that are being built from these lineups, you know? Oh yeah. Just guys. We're going to totally forget about. I mean, I I think Mazika is a guy. Mazika is like the new Mike Baxter where he did one thing that was important enough that people will remember that name going forward. But I don't know if anybody will remember that Cameron Mabin was ever a Met. I don't know if anyone remember that you know Jake Hager got his first major league hit and then was gone. Um, you know, this is like when I remind people that Bobby Abreu was a Met. You know, people are like, "Wait, really? That guy? Like, yeah, this team is full of that guys right now." Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's going to be fun in the future to say, "Hey, remember when the Mets made the playoffs in 2021?" And uh, the first day he was in the team, Billy McKinney was the uh, was the cleanup hitter. You know, just all, all those things are going to be a lot of fun to talk about. So, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's just hope that the injury train stops here and that we get some of these guys back sooner than later. So, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? So I was very excited for this album to come out. I uh, lived up to my excitement. And I, I think I had recommended his previous release uh, a couple of years ago now. But Mdu Mokhtar uh, came up in conversation when we talked to Pete Alonzo and Curtis Granderson. I, I have no idea if Pete Alonzo listened to that recommendation, but I, I, I hope he did because if he likes the electric guitar... Uh, I think he'd, he'd be pretty impressed. <laughs> but yeah, MJ Mokhtar is just, we, we were, we got to see him twice live in 2019. And, uh, and, and his previous recorded stuff was, was very good. Um, but something that the bassist in the band acknowledged in, in notes on Bandcamp as they were sharing uh, a series of various recordings during the pandemic before they had the chance to, you know, make this album and, and put that out. Um, it's a tough thing to capture what that live experience is like in a studio. Uh, I don't know. I think they just, they play faster. They play harder live. It's just, uh, it's really good music. And then you see it in person and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like what? Like just trying to take it all in. Uh, is is challenging in, in a good way. So this record does two things. One, uh, you know, it's uh, first of all, I didn't even say the name of the record yet. It's Af- Afrique Victim, which, um, you know, sort of obvious what it what you know the theme is there, um, and 
yeah, it's it it goes to some of the roots of the style of music that MD Mokhtar turned into this just force by making it electric. Uh, there's there's some acoustic songs on here, or at least songs with use of acoustic guitar that slow things down a bit, which is sort of, you know, a, a curveball compared to everything that I've heard them play. Um, so that that's cool because, you know, a little bit of the unexpected. And then the the song by the same name of the, as the album uh, is the one studio song, Electric, that <laughs> it, it, I think it's seven minutes long. And like two minutes in, it just kicks into that gear that if you if you blast it, I'm like, okay, they did it. You know, that is what it feels like for the entire time you're seeing this band live. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Uh, I'm super excited to get the vinyl. You know, all vinyl orders have been delayed in some way, shape, or form. Yes, over the past year, but I'm excited to get that when it arrives. But for now listening on Spotify is, has been really great. Um, and Hey, you know, it generates an extra like three cents in, in their Spotify account for me listening to it, uh, you know, a bunch of times. So <laughs> since I, it, we, we say this, uh, regularly, but you know, if you stream things from, from a band and you really like them and you want to throw them support, especially if they're not the biggest band in the world, you know, buy, uh, buy a record or if not that buy a shirt, buy a digital copy, you know, something, uh, to support that band. Uh, because you know, we all rely on services that are so awesome as a listener, but you know, they're, um, they're not revenue generators for the people who are doing the work. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm going to tell a story and there's a connection to your pick here, which I guess we, we should pull the curtain back. Occasionally we talk about our music picks before the show. So I, I chose my music pick based on Chris's music pick, but it's, um, you know, we'll go around. We'll get to there. So the last thing that I did quite literally before the pandemic started was I went to go see a concert at Town Hall in Manhattan, and I went for the opening act, who is Jonathan Richmond, one of my favorite musicians of all time, and he was opening for Bonnie Prince Billy. Now, I, I, I like let's call it every second or third Will Oldham, who is the altern- the real name of Bonnie Prince Billy. Like every second or third album of his I really like, but he- he's a little bit hit or miss for me. Um, and I had just come off a weekend when I worked a ton of hours and the- there was already a little bit of panic about the pandemic. Like the guy next to me didn't show up, which was fine by me. People were wearing gloves at the show. No one was really wearing a mask yet. But so after Jonathan Richmond, I thought, you know what? I don't want to be in public too much more. Let me just leave after this. And looking back, like, I, if I had known that would be my last bit of live music for, you know, a year and a half or two years, whatever it wound up being, like, of course I would have stayed for the Bonnie Prince Billy set, but I didn't stay for that. Um, but the record today I've chosen is a new record by Bonnie Prince Billy and Matt Sweeney. Matt Sweeney, for those who don't know, is the former singer-guitarist in Chavez. He played in Billy Corgan's Zwan, which... You ever see me at a bar? Say Zwan to me. I have like an hour's worth of conversation to have about that band. Um, <laughs> but uh, and he's just—he's one of the best session musicians alive. He's just a great, great guitar player. Uh, Chris, you saw him play bass with Iggy Pop on the uh, on that tour he did with Josh Homme. Um, he is. Oh no, I don't think I caught that one. You didn't see the tour he did with jo- with the no. um, like the post pop depression tour. You didn't see that. I thought I'm thought no. sure you saw that. Yeah, no, no. I've been jealous at you for like three years over this. Okay, (laughs) I I can let that go. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I know you've seen Iggy before, but... I saw... I did see Zwan live, though, so... Oh, I'm I'm even more jealous then. Shit. All right, we'll talk about that some other time. But um, anyway, Matt Sweeney is this incredible guitar player, and in in 2000, I think it was five, they released an album called Super Wolf that was uh, a combination of the two of them, and um, Will Oldham sent Matt Sweeney lyrics... And will and Sweeney wrote the music around it, and they recorded it. It's a really beautiful album. It's 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 uh it's a lot of electric guitar, but a lot of finger picked electric guitar, which is something you don't really hear a lot of. And Matt Sweeney has since stopped using a pick when he plays; he just plays with his fingers now. Um, but they released a sequel album to it called Super Wolves last week or two weeks ago now, maybe. 
And it's just this really beautiful, really sad record. And I really, really love the way that their voices work together and specifically the way that Oldham sings over Sweeney's guitar. I think that neither one of them is as good as they are when they are playing together. But on top of that, Emdu Mokhtar and his band play on a couple songs on this album. Um, uh. And so there's a song called Hall of Death that um, I heard an interview with them on Rick Rubin's podcast, Broken Record. And uh, they said that Will Oldham had written this song because his mom was suffering from dementia and he couldn't take care of her anymore. So he put her into a uh, nursing facility. And so the song Hall of Death is about like walking down the hall of this um, of this nursing facility. And so they recorded the song except for the lead guitar part. And when they were going to record it, Will Oldham told Mokhtar, like, oh, here here's what the song's about. And apparently he started screaming at Oldham saying, like, how Americans treat their elders like shit and how dare you put your mother away and all of this. And they got into, like, this big argument. Uh, or I, I guess I don't think Oldham said a word. I think he just sat there and let, like, M.D. Mokhtar yell at him about the way that Americans treat their elderly. And Oldham said he had felt so depressed about having to put his mom in this facility and then this kind of broke him. Um, <laughs> and which, which, like, I, I definitely see from a cultural perspective why somebody would look at how Americans treat their elderly and and react that way. But I also know, like, for me, and I think for you too, Chris, like, if one of our parents needed full-time care, I don't know if we could pull that off. Like, now that right. we're working remotely, it's different, right? But, like, five years ago... Especially, you know, I have kids. I, I and Will Oldham as a kid, like I don't, I don't know if I could do that. I, you know, there might need to be help brought in, but just in other cultures, that's just not the way it is. So anyway, when you listen to this song and you know that Mokhtar's guitar was recorded after knowing that, the anger and the like rage that comes out of his guitar on this song is just incredible. So um, I really like the album. Again, it's called Super Wolves by Will Old by uh, Bonnie Prince Billy and Matt Sweeney and. Uh, yeah, with guest spot from M. Mokhtar and his and his, I believe his whole band plays on at least one song. Awesome. Well, so. I will. I I did not know any of this, and I'm very excited that I do now. So, <laughs> well, that's good. I, I'm looking glad. forward to it. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please go to amazingavenue.com for all your Mets related needs. Rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you get it. Check us out on social media at Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. And until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.